0: And then give us that money. Wait, hold on. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, wait, what? Investment. Yes. Investment. I like that. Investment. The stocks are... Going, <laughs> it's a great investment. It's kind of like a pyramid-shaped investment. If you could just give us your... Yeah, money. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You get five it's friends uh, to come It's on. Pay. <laughs> it's Onzi Pay. Anzi Pay <laughs> Emske. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the... Faking, Faking Notes, notes Podcast.
0: Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You hear money, that, Money, 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 money. Today is the finance episode.
1: Two broke dudes talking about how to make more money.
0: Yeah, obvious from two success
1: <laughs> stories. Real success stories, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, in this McMansion, we, we learned a couple of things on our financial climb to
0: the one- Percent of the one percent. And for the record, we are not uh, fiduciaries or uh, financially responsible. Use this information wisely. But really, what we wanted to get across, what we wanted to get across with this episode is that for both of us, we've made money mistakes. We haven't saved properly. Even when we did, we haven't put it to use. These things aren't talked about. And between us both, we've recently become really interested. This is a nice prelude to next week's episode with Wenton Grant, who is the money long term thinking guru. With that in mind, we cover a number of different strategies, everything from stocks, EFTs, real estate, but really what we want to get across is just the mindsets of how you can go about approaching these things. Setting yourself up to not make mistakes and to help yourself in the future. By taking control of your money, just like last week's episode, talking about schedules and routines, you can afford yourself peace of mind, you can manage your anxiety, and generally just have a more comfortable and better life. How do we get there? Stay tuned. Discipline equals freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Faking Notes podcast. So I think we have, we've had a lot of new listeners kind of creeping up here and there over the past... Couple of weeks and months, so I thought it'd be fun, fun and interesting just to do a brief reintro in case you've joined us more recently. So, uh, Drew, what the what the hell is the Faking Notes podcast? Oh, I I love
1: how Trevor was like, hey, so we're gonna like we've been getting some new listeners and <laughs> we're gonna like kind of like ease them in, let them know what it's about. And so I was like, I, I was like, okay, that sounds good. I was gonna let him take the lead. And I love how he just, just like threw a him ton under the path. So tell yeah. us what tell them what we're about. Okay, so the Fake Notes <laughs> podcast is essentially two Juilliard grads who are who have been over the past few years pursuing careers in music off the beaten path, not the prescribed career path that you're spoon fed in in a conservatory setting, but the more freelance, independent uh, ventures that come with, uh, being a, an independent artist. So we, throughout the past few years have been through trial and error, failure and success have been (laughs) figuring out ever so slowly, uh, what it takes to be successful in, uh, the music business, but also just to be happy human beings, to be engaged citizens. Uh, so we're just essentially, if you distill it down, we're two dudes who love the internet
0: and talk about articles that we discover on (laughs) we regurgitate facts but that's so well put we've been very fortunate to have a pretty expansive network of people across different careers different walks of life different interests several of our friends have gone off to completely new things others have brought on their new hobby and bring brought it back to music started businesses become ceos raised shit tons of money created new products created new apps recorded projects influencers we've had such a awesome mixed bag of people and this is just a great excuse to hang out and talk with them and share the conversations we'd be having anyways like i think i want to make sure you guys understand on the other end of this who we haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person or uh, over any messenger is that this is how drew and i talk always like through text. And so, Yeah, like this is it. Like every conversation you hear is pretty much how we are always talking. There's almost no difference uh, other than the blinking red light. That is the record button. And we we love these talks. We love thinking about these things. And we we hope that it provides you some value and maybe saves you time. So you don't have to spend five years, ten years figuring out something or spending – 50 hours, 100 hours listening to a lot of the podcasts we listen to, interviews, books we read. We, we hope we can make your service? path in life interesting.
1: But there's, there's like a service, right? Where they like summarize all the books. I know Ty Lopez has it. Uh, Blinkist. Blinkist, but there's also Mentor Box that Ty Lopez has where they like, uh, I'll read all the books for you and make seven minute videos that you watch every single day. You don't have to read. My Ferrari here in my garage. Here in my garage. Here in
0: my garage, well, Lamborghini, Maserati.
1: So we are your personal music mentor box slash Blinkist, but instead of reading books, we read articles and watch videos. So
0: <laughs> we're the millennial, millennial, the millennial Blinkist version. where we don't actually <laughs> read the books. But I love how
1: we're just we're just <laughs> going from different beats of what we think this podcast is. Um, without actually doing the podcast. Or
0: are we doing the podcast? Is this meta? Is this this the podcast? podcast? Is this what it is is now? (laughs) We just talk about the podcast in the podcast. That's that's
1: very on brand, for sure.
0: But thanks again for for joining us along this time. And if you've been around, good. (laughs) You you know the drill. You know the drill. (laughs) I love that. Continue, like, and subscribe. (laughs) I think this sets us up for a wonderful segue into a topic I'd like to focus on today because we've both been digging into it. So last week we dug into scheduling and routine and a lot of the systems we've been implementing. And I think it'd be nice to talk about something else that is near and dear to our current hearts, money. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. money so drew what are your thoughts on money do you like money (laughs) is
1: love money i I like money a lot i'm a a pretty big fan i'm a subscriber (laughs) i tend to i read a lot i'm like a fan of money so i like study it i like read biographies about money Mm -hmm. i learn about i'm like starting to learn about how like money like grows and changes what's really interesting um is like we're really not taught about money in school we're not taught about money oh absolutely we're taught that like you have to exchange your hours and skills for time like like, out like time and skills for money and that's like the only way possible for you to be able to make a living wage right it's if you spend your finite and unknowable amount of time on this planet to exchange it for a piece of paper that loses about three percent value every single year (laughs) so uh <laughs> it's really Im- that's a good way to think about I- it bro I mean it, it's an ever it's an ever increasingly uh it, it's kind of like somebody explained it to explained it to me through a video where it's like if you had a pile of money and you just sat and watched it every year and just it like three percent of three uh, percent of it evaporated and just disappeared, no questions asked, no explanation every single year like over time, your pile is going to get a lot smaller if you're not continuing to contribute to it. If you're not taking it and putting it in another place where it actually grows more than 3% a year. So like just that concept of, of like not just like putting your money in a
0: savings account and calling it a day was like for me. So I want to speak directly to that because as someone who up until recently, um, put that money in a savings account and uh, didn't do (laughs) it. You were speaking directly to me. And so I, just the brief backstory for everyone is that I did that. It was just sitting in a savings account. It's not like it was that impressive at all, but it was there. It kept growing over time. You get out of school, both fortunately for you and I, we got some of that sweet post-school Juilliard money. Ayo. But I mean, okay. Don't play
1: it up too much, bro. Don't play it up too much. It just allowed us to live a life of dignity, you know, while trying to barely scrape by a living. (laughs) So I mean, I don't want people to
0: like. Dignity is loose, so I don't know (laughs) where I'll crop this episode, but you know, both of us lived in uh, multi-hundred-dollar closets in New York in some uh, crooked stairway Mm -hmm. places, but where your ceiling would fall on you while you were sleeping. I tell people I lived up in Washington Heights. they be like, "Oh, that's kind of nice." I'm like, "No, no, 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 the other side, <laughs> like, about the East Side." <laughs> and I'm like, my, "Where, where I lived was where they would film things to represent old Harlem because Harlem's way too nice now. Like, you can't, you can't have like your uh, Luke Luke Cage filming in Harlem because like Harlem's look, looking great. It's got like a, a Whole Foods and stuff. And Like, no, they filmed the Luke Cage <laughs> scenes outside of my apartment, and they put up a sign like, "Hey, we're gonna blow up this Taco Bell in the." for this scene. So if you hear an explosions, it's just filming. I'm like, okay. But I loved my time. Up there. <laughs> okay. I love my roommates. It was fun. Um, and who cares? You're in New York, you're moving around and you wind up realizing how much you, you don't need. But besides that, so years go on. I'm just putting money in a savings account. I'm not thinking about it. One benefit of music is that one of the writers or podcasters that James Altucher, he talks about how no one gets rich on a salary because you adapt to your income. And that's why we get into all of these various bubbles and housing crises. If someone is fortunate enough to make 250,000, one they shouldn't tweet about not having money, but <laughs> cuz you'll, you'll piss off Twitter. But two, almost if rather you're making 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, when you know that amount's coming in, you can plan on it. Often you adapt to it. And that's a huge problem in America. If you're making 100,000... Lifestyle creep. If you're, Yeah, it's lifestyle creep. And someone who's very good against and, and really kind of like has not fallen into that trap is Winton, whose episode will be released, already recorded, but released next week. But the benefit of, of what we have is for unstable income streams is that things would come in lump sums. And so I was able to accumulate some amount of cash, not much by any any stretch of the imagination. Uh, a safety buffer where if something went wrong for several months, I could do it because I hadn't adapted to these lump sums. I couldn't necessarily plan for them. So when money comes in, it was it was like a nice added bonus. I knew the floor of what I was getting, but I had no idea of where it was going to wind up. I was also fortunate enough to then very quickly into my New York journey, start like doing things like splitting rent, having a partner, splitting other expenses. So that saved on there. But I, I built up some nest egg and savings, but I didn't do anything with it. Moved to LA, lose a significant portion of that just from bleed. Kept the same lifestyle, rent going up. We are sh- we're, we're sharing rent, but we're, it's just two of us. It's not three of us. It's not, there's not other roommates. So rent goes up, income, dumpsters, And I don't do a good job of adapting or doing anything recent. So it ate into that savings. The one perk, though, is that actually since COVID and some of these other circumstances and moving up in jobs, I've able to at least replenish that. But this time, what I want us to talk about is some of these strategies on what to actually do with that money and to better position Mm -hmm. yourself and better position ourselves for the future and have it actually grow instead of sitting in savings account the light for me it was sitting in the savings account and there was even it was like a you know a student checking and and savings account and it had one of those like automated if you anytime you use it it'll save a dollar to teach you how to save or whatever and the idea was also that it would have a higher percentage yield no 0.01 for five years even if i didn't have much it was 0.01 percent i was making penny my my wealth growth was probably less than a dollar over five years and it didn't Mm -hmm. have to be it could have sat Mm -hmm. in stocks i didn't do the research until recently on how to figure this out so that's that's my backstory: is that i didn't think about it i didn't like thinking about money and when i lost a lot of it that's when i really started to 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 put emphasis on it and put time and energy into it that is so often the case
1: right we're like we're overwhelmed trying to make money to like live, like pay rent, pay our bills, pay utilities. But then we don't really learn about the maybe emotional pitfalls of money, maybe the mm-hmm. the, the cognitive pathologies around money. And one of the things that uh, really changed my perspective on it was that every every, every case of financial freedom starts with saving like being an active saver. And and this idea that whenever you earn money, it's, it's kind of, you got to treat your life and yourself like Uncle Sam treats you. Oh, I see you made $50,000 last year. Give me half. <laughs> Word? That's what Uncle Sam does, <laughs> right? That's what Uncle, give me half, give me half. What do you mean half? I only made 50, it's okay. We have to pay for schools. We cool. We have we cool, to right? fix the roads. We have subsidized subsidize things, right? We've
0: I'm to build a wall. All,
1: I'm not complaining. I love, I love, I don't love taxes. I love the idea of us all contributing to a collective good, like roads that don't have potholes in them, parks that are safe, you know, uh, uh, services for people who are less fortunate. I think those are all important and I'm happy to pay taxes, but I think we don't really shift that sort of mentality into our own personal finance. And so whenever I was getting a check for like 250 bucks here, 300 bucks here, guess what? It went straight to my checkings account and I spent it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. Every <laughs> single <laughs> time. However, I created a new protocol for myself. Um, since now everything is pretty much digital, you can deposit checks through, your, through an app on your phone. So I've created another aspect of my workflow where whenever I deposit a, a check, I also say I'm taking 30% off immediately and sending that to savings. No questions asked every single time. And that has changed a lot. <laughs> Just that simple act because it also artificially lowers the amount of money that you have. So lifestyle creep doesn't have as much of an effect on you. Number two, it allows you to save up six months of your living expenses and just the amount. I've never had six months of living expenses saved up just in case. And I'm getting close Mm -hmm. to that. I'm about 33% of the way there. But just even 30 being a third of the way there gives me such a level of, it reduces so much anxiety. That
0: was a great, a great point because when. One of the things we were talking about recently, specific to schedules and routines, but actually over the past number of weeks, <clears throat> actually the past uh, 67 episodes, is these mental frameworks and exercises and really just coming closer to reality can help you. If money is uncomfortable. We're not taught about it. It's scary. It's not consistent for the artist. I mean, look at what's happened the past couple months. And I was spooked out about it. It's, it's an uncomfortable. I still... I won't send the invoice as quickly or they won't send me the money and it's this weird thing. But until I really had to take control and sit down and really be honest with myself about money, I think that's what's really helped. I kind of have a scheduled semi-recurring meeting with myself that's just specific to finances. And I think tracking it allows you to be honest and like what you said, reduce anxiety. So in New York – because you need to get, get, get money to get, get, get more things. I was always worried about money when I actually probably shouldn't have been. And then I go mm. to LA and I loo- I'm losing it and I'm in the red month over month and I'm eating into that savings. One, I did try to remind myself that I saved that for a reason. I knew I'd lose money because I'd go from multiple, multiple income streams to <coughs> significantly less. I'd planned for it and so it was hard, but I had to remind myself that, hey- you accounted for this. You saved for this loss. You knew this was going to happen. This is part of the plan. It was part of the plan. But it, it didn't always work. I was anxious. I, For the first time in my life, I was waking up in the middle of the night thinking about money. And I couldn't sleep. And the anxiety crept in. And and I was hitting rock bottoms. I, I was looking at you know the date on the calendar. Yo, I'm going to run out of money <laughs> like by this point if I continue on this trajectory. I need to... Reduce sub, reduce expenses and increase income, and it, it took a lot of energy out of me. That took away from creative things. That took away from projects. It was a huge anxiety. So I'm glad that you mentioned that specifically. That it is such a pain point to think about money. But it see, really seems like both of us are trying to take hold and embrace by embracing the reality and just thinking sensibly, reducing that stress because that that moment occurred for me over mid-2018 to mid-2019 was the spooky point, a full year, the first year of L.A. And it was probably similar for you, but then you bump into this even worse scenario of being a performer and then COVID hits. Will you walk us through some of that initial fears and, like, how you've since gotten out of it? Well, I mean, uh...
1: I, I I don't know because like my, I think it's very similar to everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, you don't know if your parents are going to be okay. <clears throat> you don't know if you're going to be okay. You don't know how this, this is back. I'm talking back in March, April. We didn't know exactly how this virus was being transmitted. Mm-hmm. The public, I mean, they knew, but they decided to not tell yeah. us, which is later what my mom said. She was like, this shit is Fucked airborne up. and they don't want to say it. She said that back in March. I was like, "Mom, that's quite the claim." She's like, "Just wait." Of course, mom's right. Mom's right. always right. I don't know how she <laughs> I don't know how she does it. But <clears throat> during that time, I I realized, "Okay, look. You don't have any more excuses. Like, you don't have to <clears throat> drive an hour and a half to go sit at a 5-hour gig where you're just pretty much looking you, just going at the behest of somebody saying, actually, can we change this whole section? And (laughs) can you write in this new music, right? Like I I didn't have that sort of like distraction from my life. And so I was able to kind of push myself physically through my exercise, mentally through learning, reading books to get through some pain points. And this money thing was a really big one. And for me, the thing Mm -hmm. that eradicated my... Uh, whole anxiety about the pandemic and about my prospect of making money and continuing to live, uh, this lifestyle that I, that I enjoy. It was tracking my spending because it was, it really showed me that I do make enough money and I can spend less. And I often, have found that spending tends to be emotional. So it's kind of like a way of mm. managing your emotions as well. Just understanding, why am I spending so much money at Chipotle this week? I'm legitimately busy <laughs> having no time to cook for myself, but why Chipotle? Why can't I just like maybe make a lentil soup and then eat that over the course of the week? And so then it just gives you the opportunity to find ways where you could reduce some areas in your life where you're spending and find ways to save. I think the last thing that I want to say is having a goal for your spending is the only way to keep it up. Um, because often oftentimes before I would say I wanted to save up for something but then seamless was more important. I needed to get sushi. You know, what I, mean? I needed sushi. <laughs> I need sushi sushi on that Wednesday night. But your if your why is strong enough, why are you saving? Why are you living below your means right now? Why are you doing all of that? And coming up with an adequate why is, is all it really takes. And for me, that was to not be a 50-year-old musician one day who, if something like this were to happen, would be financially devastated and wouldn't be able to support his family. So uh that's a big enough why for me mm. to start figuring out other ways to make the money that I do earn, although it's not an incredible amount, how do I make it go farther? And that comes mm. in with saving and investing and and buying assets and reducing liabilities and debt. So those are that's the path I'm on right. Now.
0: Need to play on this, by the way, for the listeners, but it seems like such a natural se- uh, segue and add-on from our last episode because these routines and schedules are really about managing anxiety, managing emotions, knowing that not every day is gonna be great, and not every day is going to be painful. Like we're trying to find and ride out the emotional roller coaster that is life and set up systems and frameworks in our mind, little things we know we can fall back on to get done what we need to get done. And I didn't think about directly relating routines and schedules to money, but it's very similar. Instead of allotting time, you're allotting dollars. And you mentioned setting goals for your money. There's a program. I haven't used it yet. I've read up on it. i am kind of put it into action, but uh, I need to do, do more on that front. It's called You Need a Budget. And their whole point, <laughs> their whole point besides like Mint and some of these other websites, which are very helpful budgeting things, you need a budget set up to where you're making your money active <clears throat> and it's it's goal-based. That's just how they structure their budgeting platform to where you know your rent, you know your utilities, you know your subscriptions, you know approximate credit card. like You know all these things and it wants you to let you know that you're going to put your money towards something and by switching it in your mind from here's this pool that gets taken away rather to I'm spending it on something, making it active. There's a goal. I want to save for a kid. Put it away. I want to save for a house. Boom. Another good – there's a couple blogs. There's one (laughs) like uh, Stephanie something. I can't remember, but it's budgets for millennials essentially. It's just finance tips for millennials. So it kind of like understands what we're thinking about and knows what we grew up in and uh, the student loans and housing and all the other issues that come with it, but – She advocates uh, for a meeting, just a simple meeting with yourself. Put it in once a week, once every other week. It can be 15 minutes, it can be 30 minutes, but find a set time to just sit down and look at your money and address it. Is it still coming in? Now, for those who have a salary, it's a lot simpler. You can very much plan off of that. We've already mentioned the pitfalls of that. But for those who don't have it, it's a lot trickier, but you can use that to your advantage. For instance, for me, I have one, it's it's evolving, but I have one very consistent part-time job working with the company that I love. I can always account for that. And if I can live off of that half of the income, then everything else is that bonus zone. That is investment it's money, extra. that's saving money. It's your side hustle. It's the side hustle, but I get the added benefit of, I can rely on this set amount, base my life off that set amount, every other project beyond that, making that money active. So there's a few strategies. There's a lot of things I've been thinking about now that's more proportional. Uh, Look at the total income. 50% is divided between savings and within that, or is this percentage is investment in EFTs and Vanguard, and then this percentage is long-term stocks, and then a smaller percentage of that is the fun, play with money, make money now stocks. And I, I've only recently gotten into this, so I'm still finding out that right balance of do I allot $300 a month towards stocks, and can I make more over here than paying more into student loans, weighing out this thing? If you can make 8% over here and your student loans are 5%, I wish, then then it's a smarter <laughs> investment to invest in other areas. So there's all these little percentages, but however it's done, the best thing is to plan for it. And a lot to it and to just make sure that what you're doing is smart and is going to reduce your anxiety. And So why I say smart is actually kind of incorrect. There's one really good website. It's Farnham Street. I can't remember the creator. I've mentioned him a few times here, but he has these Farnham principles. And Farnham, I'm pretty sure, is the street where like Warren Buffett's Oracle or Omaha or whatever, the Oracle of Omaha uh Warren Buffett, where his company is, and they, you know, make a bajillion dollars. And the mm-hmm. principles this guy talked about. Hathaway. One we've mentioned, yeah. One we've mentioned is direction is more important than speed. If you're racing in the wrong direction, it's not as helpful than being slow and going in the right direction. The second principle, or one of the other principles that this person mentioned, is do not try to always do the smartest thing. Reduce doing dumb things. And for instance, you're not always going to be able to make the smart financial play. Look at the efficiency of card counting. It only gets you, you don't even get an extra percent. If you're a good card counter, you go from 50% odds to like 50.5%. That works out if you get very good at it and you, in the long run, you will win more. But it's its not, like, it's not 100%, it's not 70%, it's not 80%. If you look at the all of these financial advisors, in particular, you got to be careful. Uh, sidebar: We are not uh, financial advisors. We are not fiduciaries. We are not uh, in any way, you know, any anything cannot be used against us in court. Um, best of luck. Yeah,
1: dude. I was like, we talk about money, but I don't have money. Yeah, I don't have money.
0: So, but we're, we're I'm at the beginning of
1: my journey. I got a Bulbasaur. I don't have
0: a. I don't have like a strong Pokemon, dude. dude. Like Red just kicked my ass, man. I like. I just left Professor yeah, Oak's man, House. I lost the
1: first battle. Bro, what a dick,
0: by the way. Gary, Gary. God. But this person, he really (laughs) advocates, and I think about this more often than not. I'm always trying to position myself as being smart or whatever and doing smart things and clever things. But he said, you will be much better in the long run by reducing stupid things. And how do we apply this to money is knowing that you don't put it all in the stock market. Even the experts aren't that great at predicting what happens. If they get fifty-one percent to fifty-four percent, and they spend hours a day, and this is their life, that's not great for you. They know—they know a lot more than you. There's supercomputers figuring it out. Put put a majority of things in either very safe stocks or these EFTs that track the stock market, Vanguard, S and P five, whatever. Or put them in these things that you know. If, if this generates 7%, that's way better than if you had done, you know, gone out there and started gambling and investing in, in other dumb crap. But by reducing so the chance,
1: So, yeah. what Trevor's saying is you want to diversify a portfolio. You want to have a bunch of different types of assets that give you exposure to different parts of the market so that if a certain part of the market goes under, all your money isn't in that specific part of the market. For instance, let's say you went in the stock market and you bought all airline and cruise ship <laughs> stocks.
0: At, on January, oh, 2020.
1: Rip arena, right? And the thing about airline stocks is they also, like Delta especially gave dividends. So like they, those people love to, they get attached to dividends. They get attached to companies that give dividends and things like that. You need to make sure that you are exposing yourself to many aspects of the market. And that that's what Trevor's talking about with index funds. The S&P 500 is an index that is a collection of the 500 largest companies in the U.S. And so if you uh, put your money there, that is the the aspect that tends to grow, what, 5 to 7% on average per year. So you're making more money than you would lose from inflation right? Um, But it is also, this is investing. So you're going to, there's a chance to actually lose money. And so the key to investing is Mm -hmm. to invest in many different sectors so that if something happens and one aspect of your portfolio goes down, the other aspects are growing continually. And that's why people also love to invest in real estate um, because
0: it's a pretty stable investment. uh, If you look at the trends of history. And depending on the area, uh, it's it's again it's still mm-hmm. a gamble. Yes, having your money sitting in the savings account, uh, it's going to stay there, but it's not going to do anything for you. And you've always seen the articles. You know, it's, it's kind it's of infuriating. Be less valuable. Yeah, it's it's infuriating in that. You know they're always poo-pooing all millennials for not saving and not doing these things, but one, it's exhausting. Two, we we really don't have a lot of money to do these things. Uh, It's (laughs) we can like like it's true. Like if I look at my uh, income and all these various streams, I certainly could have done smarter things. For instance, instead of that savings account in a very fairly safe these vanguards or the tracking the S and P 500, where they're buying all the little stocks. This is the uh, you know, obviously a big reduction of what's actually happened, but they're you're, they're owning pieces of everything and you're giving them money to spread it out. And that's where you get your safety. It's gone up something like 70 some percent over five years 70%, not 0.01 percent like my stupid savings account. So if I literally just dumped it in there, I could cash out in any time. And we're not, I'm not giving you stuck tips. This is very new. I'm playing around, but I'm happy. I'm on the high of early success already after mm-hmm. i got a referral code for robin hood from drew and oh, shout out yeah. to peloton dude i didn't get my free stock you didn't get your Damn. free stock bro i still didn't get you my gotta free get st- that no they gave me a three dollar stock, stock like koti yeah, beauty project stock the first but w- with this <laughs> i think why you want to try so it's already you know late for me to do this but for just how things accumulate and grow statistically you need to try to start now if you can. So don't get infuriated by all these articles or keep poo-pooing and they say, oh, you need to have 50K and whatever by the time you're 20. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, none of us have that money. <sighs> or if I read one more stupid article about these two couples live below their means and paid off their loans, and then you, like, read the article and someone makes six figures and then they, their parents bought them a place that they were able to sell and, like, ran out. I'm like, I'm, shut the fuck mm-hmm. up. But there's these small-scale mm-hmm. things you can do, and I think what Drew said is a big piece of it. He said, (laughs) set it away, go ahead and take things off the top and lie to yourself. Because if we know we have something, we might want to use it, we could be more understandable. If you just Mm -hmm. trim some percentage, 20, 30% off the top, even better Mm -hmm. if you go ahead and you have it, uh, your system set up to automatically send it somewhere, it can go to the Robinhood app. You can say, "Okay, two hundred bucks a month, I can play on stocks. Another two hundred bucks a month goes to betterment for EFT. Another two hundred bucks off the top after you've paid in to your known utilities, rent, whatever." Uh, mm-hmm. I I just like forgetting and save about money, money for taxes. too. Oh God, yeah,
1: that's the thing. Save your money for taxes, and if you're an independent contractor, pay quarterly. Pay your taxes quarterly. Cause Um, you just got, you just got tax boned. Oh, I
0: next year I'm getting decimated. Next year I'm getting decimated. Next year
1: you're going to get, you're going to get bodied. I'm, I'm probably going to get bodied too. But what I think is really, 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 really really important is just understanding that the consistency of this action of living below your means and saving your money and then finding a way To take the money that you do save and make that money turn into more money. Now, we we talk about stocks. That's just one way. You can Mm -hmm. talk about real estate by saving up a down payment to buy a home in an area that has shown that it is increasing in value in the market. Um, But you can also do really smaller scale operations like save $500 and start that online business that you've wanted to do. Because then the money that you put in there could 2X, 4X, 5X, and then you could take that money and go make a bigger play. But I think just viewing your money as a tool to then grow itself like a seed, right? You see this dollar and you see it as not just a dollar, but actually a potential oak tree. You just have to plant it, water it, look at it, prune the prune off the weeds. You have to do a little bit of consistent work over time. But like one thing that Winton said, Um, It's like he daily looks at his finances. It's just one of the things he does in the morning. I do that as well. I just wake up, look at all my accounts, just check in. Oh, hey, okay. I look at my email. Oh, I got this gig coming up. So I know I can count on this money coming in. I make sure Mm -hmm. I know that. And I already plan how much money I'm going to save from that. And so I I think that just paying attention and just being present enough, uh, is also, number one, it's good so that you can realize, oh, I need to make more money. And so you can see how much more money you would like to make, but it's also gonna maybe surprise you by how much money you do make. And that I, mm-hmm. I find that that's probably even more likely is you're like, wow, phew, I made 30. It didn't feel like I made 30 that year. It didn't, make, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like it. No,
0: exactly. But it did, Hmm. <laughs> you know? You can notice trends. You're getting more data and it's on yourself and it's on your Mm -hmm. money. But again, what you said that I really liked is you want your money to work for you. It's going to be a part of you. And obviously, if you have more money, it's easier to get more money. That's the huge wealth disparity. And the whole other subject that we've ranted on before is the advantage that you can have when you have wealth and how it uh, compounds and compounds and compounds. If you had made – if everyone here had made – another $10,000 and was able to put that away five years ago, that $10,000 that was sitting there that wasn't going to get spent anyways is now $20,000. And that's something that student loans and the cost of living in the cities really is trying to prevent you from doing, but that you should do. So uh, specifics to the the stocks and really everything else though is to just have a plan for it and really stick to that plan. So what you're going to hear in the Winton episode is... He journals his plans. He he he's going to talk about an example where he wrote down the financial play he was going to do, and then six months later he did it. He wrote down specifically, "I think I can do this. I'm going to get this place. I'm going to flip it here, and I'm going to be able to make back money." And so he, the real impressiveness of that isn't that he went out and succeeded, but that he knew he could succeed. He knew it going in advance. It wasn't just a miracle or some surprise, he planned on that return. And for instance, with like the stocks, I've been doing a lot of research. It's not like I can make a ton in there, but I might as well. There's just some companies I'm fairly confident that are going to make things. But here's the key thing, what they all say, uh, specific to those getting into this or Robinhood app or anything else. Yeah, be careful. It's a buyer's is to, market right is now. It's to have <laughs> have a plan. Same thing with this real estate. If this real estate thing is to raise your family in that house, you're going to treat it differently. You're going to renovate it differently. If this real estate play is to is to house hack and have someone else, you know, have more roommates there, that's a different play. If if you want to if you know the market's probably going to be better in this area in five years and you want to you're going to plan on selling that place in 5 years. Having this plan is really helpful. So the advice I heard about stocks is set aside a very small percentage to do that kind of day trading thing and that's just fun. You can really only treat that as fun. It's some pool. It's 500 bucks and I'm not going to put in much into this, but that's the one I'll trade around and I'll check the app every once in a while. But a lot of what people have said is because you know we get nervous. We look at these tickers. We look at it going up, and we think yeah, we're sm- we have yeah. we don't have enough time to research this. And yeah, oh, it's falling. I got to sell, sell, sell. And oh, it's really low. What they suggest is like buy, invest in the companies you think four years or seven years. Have the plan. Have that number, and <laughs> buy those, and then delete the app. That's what someone said. It's like delete the app and check Robinhood every six months or whatever, or and read articles about the actual company. If Delta comes up on the news, learn more about the actual company than following the ticker of the stocks, because even those people who do, they lose out. And also, 1% here or there doesn't matter. If you invested in that stock, that real estate, that whatever, if you know the goal is to pay off in four or so years, don't freak out now, don't quit and this is a nice natural segue into investing in ourselves and investing in knowledge investing in things that aren't financial and you alluded to this drew i think it's a great point for some projects often often what i was doing in new york that i found successful is when i made a money off when i made money off of a certain type of thing whether it was a film score musical i was teaching some tech thing i did this little exercise for myself that kind of whatever let's say silo that was done in whatever container if it was in the film music silo I would always spend a portion of that set aside a portion of the budget or the pay for something that would advance either my gear my technical skill my connections within that silo and it was kind of nice because it felt like it was growing and it was compounding. My knowledge and my gear was compounding. That's how I get the microphones, was because I I knew I needed it for a project, so I had to account for it in that budget, and then maybe I'd reward myself. So none of my stuff was all at once. It was a microphone here for this project. It was this sample <laughs> library here, this piece of software, so that over time, I wound up to the point now where I really don't need anything else. I can do everything I need mm-hmm. with what I have already. I have. Too many things, too many digital pieces like of software, boss. anyways. Like a boss, but it's true. I, I had to. I now have to convince myself that I don't actually need to do that. Investing in any more gear. Now I'm investing in more knowledge and obviously a Peloton stock. What do you What do you think about that, Drew?
1: I find that you have to understand what money really is, mm-hmm. and it's like a tool for you to live the life that you want to live, right? And so when you view it like that and you use it to invest in yourself, it's also a way, money is also a way for you to thank people for making your life a little bit better. For instance, like this is very basic entrepreneurial stuff, but money is exchanged when a problem is solved. Like that's just a very simple thing. What's your problem? I'm hungry. Okay. McDonald's take four bucks and give me some, a burger and some fries. Solve and You do that too often. You have another problem creeping down the the road about a couple decades from here called diabetes and hypertension. But that being (laughs) said. From the McDonald's. Good good times. From McDonald's specifically. But what I think is really important is that realizing that the things that you do, the skills that you possess are there to make the world a little bit better. And so if you simultaneously understand the value of your skills and then figure out how to bring those skills to market, you can create other avenues for you to make money for yourself. And then eventually, like you said, uh, you can allocate some of the money that you're earning to then go towards something else that will continue to compound the the income that you're that you're receiving so for instance i'll just give you a little bit of an idea of like what I, where i want to go and where i see like people like went and going um mm-hmm. let's say you perform a, a recording right uh for like a tv show or a movie right let's just say you leave that gig you spend like eight hours of your day and you leave with 500 this is just <clears throat> straight up random numbers right you can take 120 of those $500 and you put that away somewhere um and the act of doing that over time means that when you are donating your time building somebody else's project it's not sapping all your life energy actually it's giving you some life energy to then go and be independent and do your own thing one day and the and i think the biggest crux of our society is that we have to exchange time for money. Uh, but what rich people really do is they just have enough assets in their portfolio that pay them money to where they don't really have to lift a finger if they don't want to, and they're still generating mm-hmm. revenue. Um, and, and, and one of the most effective ways that people have found to do that is to at least purchase real estate because, the, and I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a professional investor, but I've just started following some of these people. I've been reading books, I've been watching uh, videos, and reading articles, and it just kind of makes sense that your living expenses—that we all have to pay every single month, regardless. When you pay rent, that money is gone. It's not—it's not going towards an asset that builds equity that you can then create a line of credit towards later. And then compound your your assets. You can't do that with rent. No, it's just gone, and you're paying off somebody else's asset. Student loans. Just like if you're going student loans. So, well, Mm. student loans are kind of crazy because like it's so prohibitively expensive to get the skills to then be a part of the marketplace that you then have to spend so many years of your life trying to recoup that and then you can't invest in trying to purchase assets to give you freedom. So it's just it's just creating more layers of debt for you to kind of like be forced to be productive and be forced to feel the weight and depression and then use consumerism to placate your tired soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that doesn't get you out of it. Right? Buying stuff doesn't get you out of the hole.
0: That's a very good point. And that there's so many things we can spin that. Like one thing I hate, again, with these articles that poo on millennials, young people or people without money is it's expensive to be poor. And there's actually some oh, great yeah. articles and resources about that. What a stupid world we live in to where a bank penalizes <laughs> you for not having money. There's great co- comedy bits about this too. It's like, I have no money and- the, like, How are you gonna
1: charge me a service fee? Well, I ain't got no yeah. money in my account.
0: Like, they're like, you don't have enough money. Uh, you didn't use this credit card enough, so we're gonna have to charge you an extra ten dollars. It's like, I don't, I don't have my like. How does this, how do I have negative dollars in the bank? But <laughs> all those, uh, <laughs> all the comedy aside, I to the there. sad, tragic truth: we have penalties and fees for not paying on time. We have a really dumb system that, if you have money, you can get, re- you can make that speeding ticket go away. If you don't have money, you have to pay that fee. You can't afford it. Toll roads. <sighs> That only benefits people who have mm-hmm. money, and so it makes the other road shittier. Schools like all these like little things where you're penalized. For instance, home ownership, PMI, where you have to pay a little extra per- if you don't put down enough money. Mm-hmm. On as a down payment on the 20%, house,
1: right? Usually, you have yeah. to
0: pay. You have to pay a little <laughs> extra percentage. Uh, it's kind of like a guarantor. Not many people Mortgage have to do it in New York. Like a guarantee you guarantor, you have oh, to pay guarantor. more money because you mm. didn't have enough money, like your parents didn't have enough money to sign their lease with you mm. and you didn't have enough money. So what is the solution? Charge them more money. What a broken, mm. fucked up system. Okay, that aside. Mm-hmm. That aside. Um, <laughs> um this is just so it's true so stupid. Uh the thing I also poo-poo on is and getting to the expensiveness of being poo-poo poor away. is is that Ooh. it is I get frustrated because I myself haven't actually experienced poverty, and yet I can at least see it from the distance and understand with some empathy that it is it's horrible, awful, and very difficult to escape. You'll get a lot of alphas mm-hmm. who can come in there and tell you, you you can, and it's simple, but it's incredibly difficult. Nothing's more insulting than the boot, bootstrap method from people who didn't do it, <laughs> from people who never had to actually bootstrap themselves, or two, who people who are are, are capable of bootstrapping, you're David Goggins, you're Mm -hmm. you're just supreme otherworldly people. I don't think we should have a system that is reliant on being an outlier in order to escape poverty. Like there should be some better things in there. And I don't like shitting on poverty because the things we're thinking about, that one year of sweaty anxiety about money, and I'm young, I'm in good health. I don't have that many expenses. I can live in a closet, that's okay. I don't have kids, I don't have family. I don't have to take care of my family. I'm not getting eaten away by stuff. I'm very fortunate to be able to live like the starting artist, starving artist for a while and know that there could be a safety. I could call the family and say, hey, I really need to go to North Carolina. I could stay with the in-laws during the pandemic like right now. I am incredibly fortunate and so many people do not have that opportunity. And we don't weigh the anxiety and the cost on your health, your life, your mental state of being poor. Being poor just seems exhausting. And if you're exhausted, how can you possibly escape something? If I'm running a race and I'm exhausted, some people can push through it, but probably not me, I'm tired. I'm going to walk the rest of the way. It's going to take me a long time to finish that race. And you get stuck in these cycles. you It's really hard to take care of yourself when everything really does seem stacked against you and you're just beaten down and exhausted in in order to to take over this. Like, I don't necessarily have any solutions, but what frustrates me is you have to be a superhero to escape poverty and all these things. But mm-hmm. that aside, mm-hmm. I think the best way to try to do it, if you have to, is the start small and just set up a system, like the things we've mentioned. Just build the good habits. Just build the good habits habits now. Like, there's going to be vices. What I want to do is- You'll make mistakes. Don't be smart. (laughs) Do less stupid things. And so it, it will take some of that initiative of trying to cut the cost. And you will fail. You will fail
1: a lot. And you will- fall down and you will make mistakes, but you're in the fight. And there is nobody who's achieved financial independence Mm -hmm. who didn't pay attention to their finances. Like there's, there's nobody. Like it's, the system is set up to make it to where you work for the rest of your life. Just look at the history of capitalism. The Mm -hmm. only reason why we have a, a five day work week and a 40 hour work week is because we had to get the government like to fight for it step in and say you can't hire children (laughs) bro Bro. to work in your factory (laughs) the children are dying in the machines like what this is okay so that's the thing like the system itself uh doesn't care about you um and i think that's a real real tough truth for people to really kind of understand Um, Because the system does do wonderful things for you, like it gets you an iPhone (laughs) that lets you see really hot girls all the time whenever you want. Or you can go and watch YouTube all day about whatever you're interested in. Or you could go on Skillshare, which I recommend, and build new skills that can actually help you make a little extra money by bringing more value to the marketplace. I think the biggest thing that has changed my life, because first of all, I'm not speaking from a place of success, necessarily, I'm Same. still learning these things. I'm still starting these habits. But one of the things that's helped me transition really well is understanding economics and understanding the how to look at situations in the world and anticipate what people are going to need, what problems they're going to have, and then finding a way for me to either create the solution for that problem in the market or invest in a company that is creating the solution. And I think that that's kind of like the key to really figuring out where you want to allocate your money.
0: The kind of an annoying, typical American thing, like you have time off now because of COVID. Turn your your favorite hobby. (laughs) Yeah, get to work, write that book and turn your favorite hobby into a side hustle and all these things so we're not necessarily advocating for that but depending on your situation that can be an opportunity or a way to go about things and some of the strategies specifically that you already alluded to is by having more wealth wherever that may be and pulling more income from other things allows you to not need that elsewhere. I think that was one hard thing for me as when I was multiply, multiply employed, it, it took a while to kind of set up like, where can I charge more so that I can charge less and do long-term things? Or t- can I charge this guitar student an insane amount because I don't necessarily want to do that as much as teach this kid of a of a teacher who doesn't have money. and. That makes me feel better, and if I'm feeling better, I can do better at other things. Uh, So we're not necessarily advocating for the constant side hustle, uh, although I think you should try to diversify your income streams, but I'm also advocating for the ability to relax. Everything we've mentioned in in this episode and the previous one with these kind of technical schedules, routines, our musings on money is managing pain and anxiety that comes from this. Look Mm -hmm. at people who have money and are aware of it. And particularly those who might not have always had it. Look at people who have pretty set schedules and routines. What is the one thing you notice about them? They're relaxed. They have downtime. Why you can see them going out and traveling on Instagram is that they've afforded themselves (laughs) the ability to relax. And that's something that I don't know if I've ever felt in my life because of hustle. I got to hustle. I'm behind, Mm -hmm. I'm doing things. Mm -hmm. Working yourself to death is actually just another form of avoidance. It's like, that's something I realized I wanted to stay busy because that was my, how I avoided anxiety of just sitting there and being able to turn off the brain Uh, was terrifying and Mm. to truly relax. I think of, a lot of our very successful musician friends who, who did the very traditional orchestral route. One of my great friends, great horn player, Ian Mayton from UNC Greensboro, who's now in the Houston Symphony, hilarious, funny guy, but he wins that job during his master's and now he gets you know paid a lot of money to play horn a couple hours a week. But I saw him practice. He, was, he just had a very set routine. He took his routine and his schedule seriously and what that afforded him was relaxation that I never had because he was disciplined. He had the freedom. He had the freedom. Drew perked up because we were about to, discipline equals freedom. But but I saw it live and it was very actually, (laughs) it was very hard for me to see it because I got to see the model of what a good life could be. And I wasn't enacting it. I didn't do it myself. I didn't set up the discipline. uh, So I didn't have the freedom. He would practice, not a ton, the right amount. He'd go warm up every morning. He'd do the little practice during the day. He'd warm down. This dude would go to a party, go to the college party, hang out, have a good time, and like, deep, 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 9 p.m., I got to do my warm down. Leave the party, go do his warm down, and then come back to the party. (laughs) It didn't matter if he was on a great time or he didn't let it pass. Dude left the party to go do his warm down because he had the end game in mind and it gave them that peace of mind, whereas I'd be at the party, which was actually almost never happened. Uh, I'd be at home uh, at a distance from the party, anxious because I wasn't working because I was kind of tired and I was anxious and I was nervous. and I wasn't thinking about things and I'm going to work now. Everyone's at the party and get ahead. And But I never was efficient at it. so I just never had downtime because I hadn't earned the freedom. I wasn't disciplined. I was functioning at like between 40 and 60% all the time when that doesn't work. If we're thinking about all these percentages and growth over time, if I was functioning at 90% only half the time, I'd be doing way better. I wouldn't be as tired. I wouldn't be as anxious. So all these things, your schedules, your routine, your money, is understanding and managing anxiety. By having discipline in some areas, it can afford you the comfort of relaxing. Of having passion projects, I don't have to turn everything into a side hustle because I know I'm covered. I can take this weekend off because I planned for it. That ex- the expenses were there, the time was built in. Freedom.
1: Is it's, you're, you're taking charge of your life? <clears throat> no, I think I think that's like really key. Um, I would just want to kind of like end on making sure that you're aware of what you want to do in this life. And a lot of people, they're they're not specific enough. They're mm-hmm. like, I want to do music. Hmm. But I don't want to do orchestra. Okay, that's a little bit more specific. Do you want to write music? No, I don't want to write music. I just want to play my instrument. Cool. But then you have to realize that your ceiling for the amount of money you're able to make is going to be right here. Because at the end of the day, the only way to really make wealth in this world is to create your own intellectual property. If you are working for somebody else, you are only getting a percentage of the cut, mm, and you're probably not getting any credit. <laughs> it's that meme. Uh, so I, if, yeah. yeah, if
0: you work harder, <clears throat> go ahead. What's the meme? No, no, that meme. It's just like the the boss comes in and just like keep this up. You know, if you work harder by this time next year, I'll have another Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: Right. And so I think that your side hustle is your kind of like your own time investment into whomever you really want to be in the future. Uh, And that changes over time. And so I'm finding that like now I just kind of want to like play other genres other than classical music for now, you know, Uh, classical music's fine, but like, (sighs) No matter how hard I practice or try to get it good, like people will still fall asleep. <laughs> so
0: it's like, I, it's like there's only so much you can do. I love it. I, and yeah. And to close, I think you had mentioned something very good, Drew too, that we didn't talk about, or I didn't, uh, didn't lead us down the path yet that I thought was an excellent point. And that's really just investing in yourself. And that means so many different things other than just material things. We've mentioned in the past there are studies about ranking the, the net happiness on things. Possessions and materials, it's the bottom. You, you, that that mm-hmm. dies away quickly. We've heard this. Actually, number two is experiences. You'd think everyone says go on a trip and go live your life and have all these experiences. <laughs> That's more valuable in possessions, but actually the number one thing that had long-term lasting happiness on a life was services that made your life easier. If you don't, if you hate mowing the lawn, paying someone to mow your lawn was better than a trip to the Bahamas because you're offloading something that's painful on your life instead of just trying to tack on more things. And Mm -hmm. so that is something to think about. And I think one thing, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like where you spend your money, like, can you make something about your life easier rather than tacking on some new experience or some new shiny object. Number two, with the investment in yourself and your knowledge and intellectual property. This is something that was hard for me to explain to others who had you know, high-paying jobs who could actually accumulate wealth in a traditional sense. Both you and I did the same thing in that even though we weren't pulling in much, I was trying to always reinvest that in myself. And that's a huge gamble. That's the stock market. And so far I'm still waiting on the returns and some dividends. But <laughs> I I was faithful myself that <clears throat> if I spend this money to get me this tool, this knowledge, this program, that ten years down the road that will pay off. For instance, this business coach. I'm paying lots of money to have someone look at my life and help me get it together and approach it new. While I will lose that money in the short time, just like John Hahn said. That's changed his life for the long term. Everything he learned there and put into action there has been a part of his now current wealth growth. It's an investment. And I think the biggest thing we can do is invest in ourselves. I don't get paid a ton off of all these music things because I'm trying to retain the masters. I'm retaining a lot of this this information and I'm hoping and entrusting and trying to position myself that those assets, that intellectual property, that is my retirement plan. The companies I'm trying mm-hmm. to start—that is my retirement plan. This podcast—that is intellectual property. It's a retirement e- plan. E- easily, it's we're a gonna. Plan. Well, we could probably already retire right now with all this massive uh, wealth. I mean, wealth just growth. Boot, just all these, all these bikini-clad <laughs> women in this mansion, dude. I know. This We've been in this mansion. Man- good thing we could have quarantined in this mansion together. It's been <sighs> the pod man. dude. It's under renovation right now. <laughs> I
1: have to stay. I have to stay in Winton's extra room. So. Uh, we'll, 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 get back to the mention pretty soon. Um, I think some TikTokers are keeping it safe for us right now, so
0: stay tuned. This has been a nice, like, single subject, money, 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 episode. Money! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's that one song in Breaking Bad, which they just literally just say money, 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 over and over and over. It's a great song.
1: God. I haven't watched Breaking Bad. So good in a decade
0: like no one knew so. this song but it was put in breaking bad and then suddenly they probably made all this money they kept their intellectual property i hope and they made money with their money like money, our money boy songs.
1: jeremy jones i love it the, the oh man so I'm th- that's it. that's the key ladies and gentlemen build your own ip playing beethoven covers is a sure wa- fire way to stay broke for the rest of your life so <laughs>
0: <laughs> invest in yourself you heard it here first yeah invest in yourself and really. By facing reality, it is going to be painful, but I want you to face it with confidence. Stand there, Mm. stare at reality, and say, bring it on. Like, I'm not afraid. You've made Mm. it this far. Mm. And I think taking, I like what you say, you're taking control of your life. Being an active participant in your life, that is something I hadn't done until this past year. Really talking on this podcast, I was forced to assess myself and my life. So I give you... Uh, great credit bro i didn't do anything
1: and a robin hood Uh, but i will say what i I got you okay (laughs) last
0: thing go vote oh yeah oh shit everyone please god go vote go vote go vote go vote vote. talking about taking control of your life and your future we're not gonna yes this
1: that is just another way that you can assert some control and some power in your life is letting your voice being be heard and i'm not like advocating for any particular candidate, but I think that a democracy is only functional when people participate in the process, no matter how rigged it is or how perceptionally rigged it is. I think what's important is if you want to revise the system, you first have to participate in the system. So let's get on out there. Let our voices be
0: heard. It's like, there's a lot of broken things about the system, but the easiest way to change it is with this vote. It you you will not get what you want without this vote. And just imagine how you're gonna feel the day after the election, and then do what you can to get to that feeling. Whether it's calling, (laughs) whether it's it's calling, phone baking, or however you can contribute in your own way, the biggest thing you can do is your vote, and it's part of setting yourself up for success. It will and does affect you. So very good point, Drew. Okay, everyone, go out and uh,
1: give that little PSA. Make money go make some money, money, money just money, just money. for just for Papa tvk and uncle trevor trevor bum
0: and then give us that
1: money wait hold oh. up <laughs> wait what investment yes, investment I like that.
0: investment the stocks are going, <laughs> it's a great investment it's kind of like a pyramid shaped investment if you could just give us your yeah money. yeah yeah yeah
1: you get five it's friends a, to come onzy pay yes. it's onzy pay onzy <laughs> <Anzi> pay eemskay <laughs> all right see you, everybody take care y'all